I am excited about this class, and I really appreciate David Wade seeing here tonight. Didn't see him. Uh, David Wade covering for me last week. I really appreciate that as we're getting things started here. Uh, you may have read the the title of this class and thought, we're going to get to talk about stuff, right? We are, but we're going to start with the things that are most important. Uh, when we talk about uh, this this concept of the talk, what we hope to do is, first of all, develop a good foundation of faith. Um, and then as we develop the foundation of faith, we're going to move over to developing the techniques and the ability for us to have conversation with our children on their level as they grow and mature about sexuality and to give them a healthy perspective of what that looks like. And so I'm excited about this class. I'm a little terrified of it all at the same time. I taught this about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Uh, but I don't know if you guys have seen just how much the world has changed over in the last little bit and all the things that have been thrown at us, especially from a sexuality perspective. And so uh, don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Like, we're all going to kind of learn and, you know, stumble through this together. Uh, but I think it's going to be great. I want to just think about for a second what it's like to talk to your children about spiritual things. How many of you just find that really easy to talk to your children about spiritual things? Okay. Good. How many of you feel a little, I don't know, there's like there's an awkwardness or there's a struggle with it? How many of you do that? It's okay. Raise your hands. Okay. Maybe a few of us that it's hard for us to do that. What are the things that keep us from being willing to share with our kids? Okay, all right, did y'all hear that? Everybody hear that? That was awesome. If I could have said, cue the first comment, that would have been it. Perfect. She said to avoid the mistakes that, that maybe we've made, maybe looking in our own lives and feeling that insecurity of things. What else? Yes? Okay. That's great. So he, everybody hear that okay? All right, trying to schedule it. Maybe that makes it a little bit more awkward. Okay, everybody grab your Bible and begin this conversation. And All right, turn in your Bibles to, no, not there. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Oh, yeah, not there. What else? I saw someone else's hand. Yes. Lack of knowledge, like when they ask a specific question about a story or something that happened in the Bible. Oh, isn't that awesome when your kid comes home fresh from Bible class They've, de- they've dug into it. You haven't heard that story in six, seven years. And some, they ask you a question about it. You're like, Err. I mean, that happens to me too. Okay, so that happens to everybody. All right, what else? Yes? How to translate it into their, uh, on their level. Okay, how to get it to them where they understand things, right? What else? That's, those are awesome. Anything else that causes us hang-ups? Yes? Okay. Good deal. Like, what is it that they can manage? What can they handle at certain ages? You know, what is their, what's the, the cap of their ability and what they can understand? All right, great. What else? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes our kids are teaching us, right? Yeah. What else? Anything else? Almost anything else, it's just, you know, a lot of times it's 
you know, it's, it's a talk, you know, different things of things you're kind of dreading almost having a conversation with and things you're just talking about something else. All right. Yes, sir. Yep. You know, in today's, all you got to do is watch the news to know that, that that's being forced upon you, whether you want it to be or not. Yeah. Right. So there are a lot of these conversations that you're talking about, you know, they're talking about doing that with kindergartners. So, you know, whether you want to have it, it it's some of those conversations that are being forced upon you. It seems young, doesn't it? it? It really does feel like that's way too early. What else? Anything. All right, let me ask you another question. Um, I was thinking about this coming in, and I, I, my, my questions are more about how do I initiate the conversation? Like, how do I roll into it? Because as we're going to study tonight, we're going to get into Deuteronomy a little bit, and it's going to talk to us a little bit about, you know, how often that should be happening. Because I think what, what all of our minds are going to right now is all the things that are in the world right now, all the things that we're having to combat, all the things that we're having to counterattack, all the things that we're having to inform them of ahead of time. But I, I keep thinking about just the moments that you're living in right now. And I think, uh, who was it, Craig, you said that, just in the moment, like in that time frame, in, in, this, in the right situation. You know, we're talking about, we're going to ultimately talk about sexual impurity. But in my view... We can talk about those things and we can give them all the biblical truths about it. We can be sensitive about it. We can be uh, courageous about it. We can be convicted by it. We can look at the Scriptures and we can tell people exactly what the Bible says about all things sexuality, right? But those things don't matter at all if we don't first lay the foundation that our children trust God, right? So the first part of this class is going to be really more focused on how do we engage our children in spiritual conversations? How do we begin to talk to them about the Bible? How do we talk to them about God, the relationship that, that they should have with Him? So we, we talked about these things here. You know, we've got to break through our own personal insecurities. All right? If we're going to talk to our children about spiritual things, we can't start thinking about all the ways that we're not equipped. I mean, that would be like Moses, wouldn't it? It would be like, I can't do what you're asking me to do, God. Okay, and that's focusing on our limitations as opposed to recognizing that God can still work through you. Who do you think loves you the most in this world? It's your children. You know, when you come home from work, the first thing they want to do is jump in your arms, right? When they're, when they're young, especially. Gage, it hurts me if he does that now, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but they want you. They want your time. They want your, your energy. They want your love. They want your full attention. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that. We've got to blow past those insecurities. Next thing is uh, we think about these things in regard to it, lack of knowledge, inexperience, or your past failings, I think is what she said here. So anytime we look at our past, we may go, whew, I really just don't want to get into that topic with them because then I'll have to, if they ask me point blank, did you, and they ask that question, then we find ourselves having to answer that. And if we're going to be honest with our children, that's going to sting a little bit because we may think that they have us way up here and we may be sharing with them something that would cause them to think differently of us. But I'm going to use, Andrew, I want you to tell again what you said about your father and the things that he shared with you. Now, you don't have to get any specifics, but help us understand again how that made you feel as a child and explain, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so when I was 
time I went out with friends, uh, he would tell me, he would say things like, hey, Andrew, I just want to remind you when I was in high school and I did this, and I was I remember one time I was with a girl, and I did that, I was like, oh, you know, please not keep going. But, uh, but I will tell you, those conversations stuck with me in a huge way because he was so transparent. In fact, most of what he shared with me was his failures and things he messed up on. And, uh, and but what was interesting is that I think what helped was not just the fact that he shared it, but even in parenting, when he messed up, he was very clear about, listen, Dad messed up. I shouldn't have done that. And so it, it created this atmosphere. I felt like of, I felt like I could go to him. And he, I never felt like if, if something happened in a relationship or something happened with friends that I couldn't go to him because that was something established from a very young age was him being transparent about those things. And I never, yeah, it was hard to hear sometimes, but it actually helped even more when those moments came. Uh, they, you know, what dad struggled with popped into my mind, and I didn't want to repeat that mm-hmm. because he was so clear. And one of the things, the reason I wanted you to bring this up is because one of the things that I think that we struggle with in the church is we're not good at confessing. We're not good at sharing where we're struggling. Uh, and I don't know what created this atmosphere, but you guys know what I'm talking about. We come to church and we're supposed to leave our fights in the car or our disagreements or our frustrations or our hurts our relationship that, that's fallen apart. We're supposed to leave that in the car, and we're supposed to come in here and receive, and because we come in here and receive, even if we don't address that, that's supposed to somehow make us better. And we never really confront the things that are going on in our lives that are not quite right, and as a result, those things continue to pervade, and then we keep putting on layers of masks to disguise it and to hide behind it. Okay? So creating that sense of transparency, that sense of honesty with your children and letting them know that you're not perfect is maybe one of the open doors to them seeing that it's okay to not be perfect. And maybe, just maybe, we create an environment that says, I love you in spite of your mistake. Because that's really the picture of God, right? If we're talking about parenting and doing it in a godly way, you know, God always loves His children, even when we mess up, when we make a mistake, when we run from Him. What does He want? The Bible tells us He wants our return, right? He's longing for us to come back. He's not like going, you go to your room forever. You know, He is saying, I want you back. I want you here with me, right? And so we feel that same way with our children, right? You know, so often my kids will get in trouble, and I'll be like, just tell me, bud. It's okay, just tell me. Just tell me, like, mm, I don't want to talk about that. No, I want you to tell me. And when they do, the first thing I want to do is hug them. Because now they're, they're realizing that, you know, there, there's no lightning strike. There's nothing that's going to zap you into eternity early. <laughs> you know, it's just me loving you and helping bring you to where you need to be. All right, so we've got to get past those things. And then we've got to realize that this is an ongoing thing. It's a construction project. And I don't know how many of you have ever had uh, a construction project, a house being built or whatever, and watching that. I mean, I wish I'd brought slides. I've got slides of when one of our houses was built. I mean, I know I wore those people out because I would just show up every day at lunch, eat my sandwich, just watch them, you know. And I take pictures at the same spot every day because I wanted to create. I know this is so stupid. 
silly. But I wanted to take a picture of every part of that house being built and like fade one out into the other. You know, it was like a morph of the house like growing. Like I wanted to do that. So weird. I didn't finish it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but if you go to a construction site, unless they're like mass producing houses, lickety split, man, it takes a long time to watch that process and to, to see it go. And that's the same thing. I think sometimes we think, I need to sit down with my kids, study the Bible, and boom, we'll do that. And then I'll take them up to the church building, and we'll baptize them, and, and everything will be just fine. But what I'm trying to say to all of us is that it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not us racing to get somewhere. It is a constant, abiding system of conversation that brings us to a relationship with them that in time helps them strengthen a relationship with God. And that only happens if in our communication God is honored and what we say and do points them to God and a principle that he teaches us. So let's move into this. I said this earlier, but the best way to model all this is to live it in front of them. Uh, So what I want to talk about, and there actually, by the way, there are books back in the back that have all this information in them. Uh, if any of you want to hop up in the middle of this and get one, that's fine, or we can pass them out in just a moment, or you can pick one up on the way out. So we can go through this, but if you want to write anything down, you're welcome to hop up and do that. You won't bother me at all. So we're going to talk, talk in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles you want to turn there, that'd be great. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6. This is exactly what Craig was talking about a few moments ago. And it says this. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord The God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Catch this next part. I'm sorry, I should have done that before. You're doing a good job, Jimmy. Listen to these words in chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen to what it says about this. It says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk in the way, or by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So what this is describing is... As Moses is given this information, and he's saying, the things that I'm about to share with you, the things that you're about to hear, this has got to come across in every single thing that you do. So what does it say? Uh, it tells us that the first thing that we have to do as a, as a parent is to love God and to teach them to love God. All right? And so how do we do that? How do you teach somebody to love God? Sounds easy. By demonstrating it okay. Okay, by demonstrating it. What else? Count your blessings. Count your blessings, okay. 
In counting your blessings, you're actually referring to them where those things come from, right? What else? Yes, sir. How do you create the divide between us being a godly example and trying to set that example of God in our lives, but yet we're failures in comparison to God? Yeah. So how do you how do you live that out? Does that make sense? You know, we're trying. Yeah. You know, we're our representation of God to them because mm-hmm. we're father to them, and so we're trying to pattern our life after God. Yet God doesn't fail. Right. We do. So, you know, how do we draw that line in that example? Well, I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that our children get love. They get it early on. They know where all the blessings are coming from. They know who's taking care of them. They know how to react and respond. They want all of our time. Like, they understand love, okay? And you're, you're trying to show them that your love is for your father in the same way that they love their father. You're not perfect, but you can say, as much as you love me and as much as I love you, God loves you more. And he's greater. Yes? I think something to So in these daily conversations, what does it say? When you, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, when you sit at the table, and when you lie down. I don't know about you guys. I don't know what your bedtime routine, but we found that to be one of the blessed and the best times for us to spend time with our children. In the morning, it's kind of hectic. I mean, we can say a prayer to start the day. We can, you know, we can hug them and love on them and say, hey, I love you. God loves you. Have a great day. But in the evening, I think, is the time where you can lay in the bed with them and you can tell them those Bible stories, and you can sing. Uh, to this day, whenever we sing, um, oh my goodness, I just lost it. Um, Kenzie and I used to sing a song all the time, Turn My Heart, O God, but we'd also sing another song. Anyway, whenever that song comes up in worship, you know, immediately she will find me. She'll, she'll, she'll look up, and she will, she will find me, and we'll... Like eyes, and I'll wink at her, and, and she'll she'll remember because we had a routine, and that was a song that we sang over and over and over again. And so, just a special thing like that, 
that a spiritual nature that points them to God is a, is a beautiful thing. But we instruct them in God's precepts and commands. I think uh, one of the things that we do is we tell our kids, do what I say because I said so. But we don't point them to the godly principle that's behind it. And if we do that, then now we're instructing them what God says, not what mom and dad say. And we don't become the authority. God becomes the authority. Right. So that's an important thing. And then it says upon every occasion. Psalm 78, I'm not going to get into all these passages. Some of these are repeating. Uh, But there is a sense in which in Psalm 78 it talks about how if we don't do our part, if we don't teach our children... You know, it's just like this, and a whole generation can escape and fall away from God. So it's really important that we see this is our responsibility. When you look in Deuteronomy, and you look in Psalm 78 and others, dads, listen up, this falls on your shoulders. Now, because of the Industrial Revolution and all of us men going off to work instead of working in our shops at home and and having our little apprentice with our kids and doing the things or out in the fields working with our children, teaching them all along the way, uh, because we now go off to work, a lot of times we have yielded that to moms and say, moms, you know, you're staying at home and taking care of this. But that is not where the responsibility lies. Now, mothers, we want you to be instructors. We want you to teach them. I'm thankful that Cindy stayed home 12 years uh, to focus on our children and to, to help reinforce some of the things that I was trying to teach them at home, too. We were a tag team partner, and I'm so thankful that we had that. But it was on my shoulders to make certain that my kids are having these conversations. And so, men, take that very seriously. Own this. Okay, if we want our children to really grow into people who are well-adjusted and who have a connection with God and who can deal with people and, and kind of roll through life, it's up to us to teach them those kind of coping skills. Psalm 128, I'll go to the next part here. So this first part is, um, was a daily conversation. The second part here is daily, our dedication to God. Now Proverbs 22, 6 says what? Who knows it? I'll start you off. Train up a child... Right. <laughs> Don't you love that? That's awesome, isn't it? I just want to stamp that on my kid's forehead and say, no, call me when you get older, all right? Uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. How many of us know people who have been trained up in the Lord, and when they got older, they fell away from the Lord? Everybody in here knows people who done that. So this is a truth, okay, in principle, Right? But God never has taken away free will, so our children have the opportunity to embrace something outside of God's will. They can become self-centered, or they can, you know, be tempted. They can become addicted to something. They can, you know, a lot of things can pull them away. But this idea here, and when it says train up a child, the word for train up is actually the word dedicate. Isn't that awesome? Like, dedicate your child to the Lord. Uh, that's an important part of it. The idea that it's not just about, you know, us making sure they follow everything exactly, but it's ultimately pointing them to God over and over and again. But it also talks about being make experienced and, and being submissive. So one of the parts of this word, it talks about like a rope being in a horse's mouth, how it, it's used to guide that horse and to move it from one place to the next. There is a sense in which that training takes place by us making those adjustments, you know, uh, I see sometimes where parents will let, you know, some bad behavior go, all right, and they'll let it go for a long time. 
and then it, it, it gets to the point where I'm so sick of it, and then we explode on the kid, you know, and, and really, I, you know, in that moment, I kind of, and I've done it, so I could say it to myself here, you know, you kind of want to just shake the parent and go, but look, there's, there's guidance that needs to take place all along. Like my dad's big thing in all of our life was, hey, I want you to be aware of this. I'm going to be on you all the time. Not because I don't think you're doing a good job, but because I want to make little adjustments along the way. I don't want to wait till you're way over here and I'm trusting you and I'm still trusting you and I'm still thinking you're going to do the right thing and you get further and further and further away because that trip back is a lot more painful than these guides along the way. And ultimately, as these little guides take place, as we shape our kids on the way and we're training them and we're guiding them gently, ultimately what happens is they kind of know to stay in their lane a little bit. They kind of know to honor, respect, because we're requiring that of them. They learn to trust in God. They learn to see the big picture. It takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. It's exhausting (laughs) as a parent, but it's those small adjustments all along the way. When you see the first glimpse of disrespect, saying, no, no, you're not going to be disrespectful. Don't do that again, okay? And if they do it again, then up up the punishment. You have to do it again, up the punishment again. Guide them gently back to where they need to be. All right? And then in the way means to train the child according to the best approach for him. If there's one thing I am certain of is all three of my children are different. Kinsey, so submissive. Like, just, yes, sir. Oh, the sweetest, yes, sir. And she would just do all the right things and... And I would say, now, you know that you don't need to be doing that. That was a bad thing. I'm so sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. I don't do it again. You know, like she just was always so apologetic and so quick to turn back, okay, and do the right thing. And then I had the boys, all right? And that's a whole other world. Like, they're, they're, you know, theirs was a little bit more hard-headed, a little bit more repetitive, a little bit more painful, a little bit, not because they're bad kids, but because they're just different, okay? They needed a, a physical a relationship with me. They needed to wrestle. They needed to be a little bit more on the floor, okay? They needed to be a little bit more like trying to find themselves as the alpha male. They needed that, right? And I needed to put on background day place, okay? So <laughs> what I'm getting at is it's a moral duty of us parents as we're trying to dedicate our children, as we're trying to train them to bring them to that, Okay? is to recognize that each one of them are different, their personalities, their makeup, the way they handle information. And, and really and truly, this is the time where we stop and we listen to our children. Like, find out what's going on with them. Talk to them enough and often that they're opening up to you as well. Then it says when he is old. The idea of this is when they reach a maturation where they're receptive to it. That's the concept there. Okay, so it doesn't just mean like we just, you know, insert all these truths and then out pops a faithful Christian at the end of this, right? There's a a sense in which it's a process and they have to absorb it themselves. And sometimes they don't, or sometimes they do, and they turn away from it. But ultimately, that's what it's about. All right, so you got the daily conversations, you got dedication to God, and then you've got defining boundaries through discipline. We've already talked about this a little bit. Proverbs 3, so I tell you what, y'all help me read this. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, Proverbs 10, 17. Someone read those for me. Who's got Proverbs 3? Raise your hand so I know who's got it. You got it? Thank you, Michael. 
Go ahead. My son did not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For him the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in him he delights. Okay, so one thing we think about sometimes is like physical discipline. We think about that as harsh, unrelenting, cruel sometimes. But the Bible really defines it differently. It, it talks about it from the standpoint of love because, again, you're trying to shape this child back to, to God. All right, next passage, Proverbs 10, 17. Who's got it? You got it? Read on. <clears throat> Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Okay, so it's really important for us to, to get this right. Proverbs 13, 24, 22, 15, 29, 15 through 17 are all talking about the rod of correction. Okay, and I, I, I did a sermon recently about this, and uh, I believe this, okay? I don't believe God would have put it in there if it's not important. But let's get real here, okay? With the rod of instruction, with the rod of correction, the idea is to bring that child back to holiness. It's not to beat the tar out of them, okay? And so while I've, I have used corporal punishment in all of my upbringing with my children, daughter, son... Son, 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 okay? While I have done that, I want you to understand there's a tenderness even in doing that. There's a gentleness in that correction. If I respond out of anger, the Bible says in James chapter 1 that my unholy anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, so if I, in my instruction to my child get out of hand and lose it and am reckless and out of control and using full force and just wearing them out incessantly and on and on, you are crossing a line because that's not really going to bring about the righteousness of God. Okay? Ephesians chapter 6, 1 and 4. We love this part, right? Obey, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. My dad used to say, you do what I say, you get to live. That's, that's how that, that translates, right? <laughs> But what's the next part of that? And fathers do not what? Provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the what? Nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay, stop for just a moment and absorb that passage just for a second. The nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does Colossians 3.21 say? Someone read it for me. Anybody? If you know it, just quote it. It's very similar to Ephesians 6, 4. Say it again loud, Craig. Okay, don't provoke your children lest they be discouraged. Anybody else got a different translation? Don't aggravate them. That's all I do is aggravate my kids. Anybody else got another translation? Antagonize, okay, that's good. Exasperate is one of the translations that I see on this. The idea is that I'm actually pushing them to anger. The idea is that in my instruction, I'm going so hard at them, so unrelenting, that they understand the instruction, they know what they're doing, but it's just ongoing. It's almost like that lecture that just will not stop. And I am a monologuer, okay? Anybody else here? Any moms, dads, a monologuer? And another thing, oh, man. I, will, I find myself going, look, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, and then I just keep on going. You know, like I just keep on going. What am I doing? 
I'm frustrating them. They got it. Like, give the instruction, give the biblical principle, and let them know you love them, and let them deal with that for a moment. Let them absorb that. They're not going to absorb it all at once, but time after time, consistently doing these things over and over makes a big difference. Okay, so we talked about daily conversation, dedication to God, defining boundaries through discipline. And I, I, I really should say this, that what discipline does is if they know the principle, they follow it. If they don't follow the principle, we're drawing the boundaries to help them get back to following the principle. That's what discipline is, right? And so part of what we're doing as parents is helping them define those lines of what's right and what's wrong. And that's really important moving forward. But then the last thing is, and this is the biggest part of it, is a daily demonstration. Who can read for me James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25? You got it, Jason. All right, Jason, preach the sermon, buddy. Tell me what it means. Basically means we have to know what the Bible says, we have to reflect it in our lives, and we can't be distracted by the world. Because we can so easily know what the Bible says, but we can forget. Okay. Fantastic. Anybody else? How do you translate that? Uh, the Bible refers to that as hypocrisy. And the thing is, and I keep saying this because I, I, I think we're all guilty of it, is we will say the right things. It's really important for us to say the right things, to make sure that we tell our kids, don't do that. You don't need to do that. But I think the problem is that too often... They're doing that because they're watching us do it first is the problem, right? And so sometimes as parents, we're not consistent. And because we're not consistent, it's hard to ask them to do anything consistently too, right? So this is not a chewing us out, okay? This is just a reminder that instruction is difficult, all right? But on the other side of this, and what we are shooting for is developing in our children people who first look to God for instruction. And then as they live their life for God, when they get off base, they seek wise counsel from another Christian because they know that this is the right way to live. And when we're, we're, we're talking about these things, we're actually trying to put people in place. I'm going to say something about, where is he at? Is Will? Will Stewart is in the house. Is, is uh, Tim Brown in here as well? Okay, Wesley Canada, is he in here? No, Kevin Barnes. Julie Thomason. Okay, y'all all fire every one of them. <laughs> My kids are in the youth group here. And I want you to understand this. There's a lot of great things going on. 
My child said to me the other day, my youngest child said, Dad, I just could not have a better friend group than I have right now. I just couldn't. Like, I love every one of them. There's not one of them that I don't want to hang out with, don't want to be with. And I'm like, are we talking about school friends? No. No, I'm talking about my church friends. And they have these things called fam groups. So if you don't have a kid in those fam groups right now, uh, you need to jump in if you have teens. If you're not uh, a teenager and you have younger children and you're, you're growing your children right now, look forward to this. We have in our youth ministry, uh, actually, I think Jason and Brian may have done this uh, before, before they both left, but they started this thing called fam groups. It means faith, accountability, mentoring. And what it is is there are two men who will take a particular age group of boys, okay? So Nick, my son, has Will and he has Tim Brown. Okay, well, there's two fantastic examples of men that I want my child to emulate, right? So not only do they have mom and dad who are trying to teach them the right things, but we're putting them in proximity to people who are going to influence them for good as well. That's why the church is so important, and I can't wait for... Andrew's sermon on Sunday, because he's going to talk to us just about how excited we should be to have this. Not just this room, but this whole group of people. The older ones, the younger ones, we're learning from each other back and forth. There's excitement and joy in the air. Like there's, It's fun to be here and to be uh, challenged by each other, to be encouraged by each other. And those fam groups are another way to embed faith into your child. But we can do that right now because we're not just bringing up our children like we have an opportunity to help guide and shape our others had a young man i'm not going to tell you who he was the other night he was having a blast with our youth group and there was an activity here and he literally waited till the lights were being turned off before he said oh i'll call my mom to come get me now <laughs> you know like what in the world man you know, I'd been here since like 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, I was so ready to go home, and this kid did this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I took it upon myself to pull the kid aside and say, hey, man, I love you, and I'm going to take you home tonight. I want to I get you home. So don't worry about bothering your, your mom or anybody else to come pick you up. But can I share with you something? Like, moving forward. <laughs> Maybe you don't wait till we're flipping off the lights where people who have been here all day who are ready to go home will have to stay here and wait 20 minutes for your folks to come pick you up and take you back home. Like maybe you think ahead a little bit. <laughs> and by the way, I do have these conversations with my kids all the time. But maybe, well, what, what are we doing? Like can we do those things in love? And help each other out. Like this room is filled with people who need help. <laughs> I'm one of them, all right? If you see my kid, I want you to instruct them in the Lord. If they're, if they're getting out of hand, I want you to fix them, okay? I want you to do the right thing. I expect that out of you because I love you and trust you enough to bring my kid along too. Is that first or second? All right, that's it. Okay, well, point I'm making is there's a lot to be offered here. Not just in these younger ages, but as your teens grow, as your kids grow into that age, I want you to see the benefits of being active, being engaged, being involved, making certain that your kids are receiving good teaching, 
good opportunities to learn that you yourself can follow up on. What do we talk about? Daily conversations. Well, I can give you three conversations right now that are ready-made for you every single week. Sunday morning worship, talk to them about what they learned. Bible class on Sunday night, ask them what they learned. Wednesday night Bible class, ask them what they learned. Have the conversation, answer their questions, make that a regular routine, not in a like in an interrogating type way where you where you paying attention. No. Just hear what they learned. Fashion it into another lesson for them. You can have that's three that you don't even have to work for. They're ready made for you. And then engage conversation every day. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you guys next week.